0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this broadcast. We are so glad that you are able to join us today. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 32 teaches a very important truth God taking his hands completely off of a person is a very serious and damning judgment. The act of God taking his hands off of an individual is actually an outpouring of his wrath. And now with his message is our pastor, Robert Elliott.
1: How do I suppress the truth fourth way of six? You suppress the truth by having unrestrained sinful desires. Unrestrained sinful desires, verses 24 and 25. Therefore. God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Will you please notice that these sinful desires that are unrestrained, they are unrestrained in two senses. Number one, they are unrestrained within the sinner himself or herself. And second, they are unrestrained by God who gives them over to sinning into the consequences of sinning. People suppress the truth by having unrestrained sinful desires, and this specifically shows that these unrestrained sinful desires are unrestrained within the person himself or herself who is suppressing truth, and they are unrestrained by Holy God, who as a judgment gives them over to more of that sinning so that they would bear the consequences of that sinning. Now please hear this is important. This is maybe the crux of this sermon. God taking his hands off of you is a very serious and damning judgment. It is a reserved, deserved outpouring of God's divine wrath. When he takes his hands off of a person and gives them over to sin, it is a serious, damning judgment of God. How do I suppress the truth? You suppress the truth by having unrestrained sinful desires, and God in his judgment takes his hands off of you as a deserved and reserved wrath so that you can sin however you want, but you can't pick your consequences. And so in verse 24, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts. Verse 26, God gave them over to degrading passions. Verse 28, God gave them over to a depraved mind. It bears repeating, God taking his hands off of you is a very severe and damning judgment. It is deserved outpouring of his divine wrath. How do I suppress the truth? Fifth, you suppress the truth by acting on your degrading homosexual passions. This sermon will be on our webpage, accessible around the world to anyone who cares to listen to it. Gay marriage has become legalized in America, as you know, and pastors will face imprisonment eventually if they will not perform gay marriages. I said when I pastored in Pennsylvania that that was coming. And I said that when that did come to America, that I would keep preaching the Bible in a passage like this, and I would go to jail. And the other pastors in the church would then preach the truth of God until they went to jail. And then when all the pastors in the church in Pennsylvania were in jail, then the elders would get up and they would preach the Bible until they're all in jail. And then the deacons get better get ready to preach the Got Bible till they're in jail, and then the lay people, the laymen, need to get ready to preach the Bible till they're in jail. Will this come to the Bahamas? We can sure pray and work against it not coming. But this is on the internet. Anybody who wants to listen will hear. what I'm preaching about homosexuality. I'm not frightened. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not hesitant. One of the ways that people suppress the truth is by acting on their degrading homosexual passions. Verses 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them over. God gave them over to degrading passions for their women, exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. and the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving uh, in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Did you realize that these gay pride parades in some parts of the world have so degenerated that homosexual acts of sex are in the parades? Do you realize that in those parades, human excrement is thrown by homosexuals to people who oppose the parade? Do you believe, do you realize, I should say, that homosexual activists, after the court ruling of the Supreme Court to legalize gay marriage, went into the White House, into some of the rooms that had large portraits of the founding fathers and first presidents of the United States, and were filmed and photographed giving obscene gestures to the paintings? Realize that? Realize that, that there's a lesbian who's been... Uh, mock crucified on a cross to blaspheme Jesus. It's part of God's wrath. When people suppress the truth and act sexually unnaturally in perversion, God in judgment and wrath gives over to more of it until, bang, it's over. The here and now aspect of wrath is they get more of what they want to do that's vile. And the not yet aspect of God's wrath, if they don't run to Christ for salvation, they are damned to hell for eternity. We should share Christ with homosexuals. When I was waiting tables in Dallas, Texas, during seminary, there was a homosexual waiter. I shared Christ with him, because he needed Christ. His sin was no worse than my sin. Jesus died for his homosexual acts, so I shared the gospel with him. We should share the gospel with gay people, not because—we don't hate gay people. We hate their sin. They need Christ. Will you notice from this passage that homosexual sex is not a genetic alternative that deserves civil rights or scientific credence? Rather, according to God, which is the only voice and, and will and judgment that counts, homosexual sex is degrading, verse 26. It's unnatural, verse 26. Further, homosexual sex abandons sexual design for marriage, verse 27, and it is indecent, verse 27, and it is penalized error, verse 27. Do you know people who disagree with that assessment? Chances are you do. They don't disagree with you or me. They disagree with God. They disagree with God. How do I suppress the truth? Number six of six. You suppress the truth by having a depraved mind, which includes depraved thoughts, words, actions, and approvals. You suppress the truth by having a depraved mind, which includes depraved thoughts, words, actions, and approvals. Verses 28 to 32. Notice some of the things that are in the list here. 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips. Wait a minute, gossips? Yeah, gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant. Wait a minute, arrogant. Boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Wait a minute, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And though they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, verse 28, any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness. You realize that Planned Parenthood was busted in the United States for selling fetal body parts of aborted babies. One of the heads of Planned Parenthood was caught on a video in a restaurant sipping on her wine and drinking her $200, or eating her $200 plate and talking with a person about what the price, a fair price for a, a fetal heart, a fetal lung, a fetal kidney, while well, she ate. Is it not something that Planned Parenthood, who says that the unborn baby, the fetus, is not human, uh, understands that when you kill them and you cut them apart, they have human parts that they can make money on? Gross. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. And they are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant. May I stop at arrogant? Do you know what one attorney general in one state of the United States is doing since the video was not... Um, known to be filmed of that head of Planned Parenthood who was bragging over prices of fetal baby parts, she is trying to prosecute the person who took the video because they didn't give uh, knowledge to the woman who was bragging about selling these parts for profit. That's like saying that somebody who found out Hitler's concentration camps and didn't follow the, all the dots and the jots and the tittles of German law should be prosecuted for bringing the Auschwitzes to light. That's how far sinners have devolved as
0: God has given them over to suppression of truth. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to start a new series and talk about how we need to be more than a hashtag. And when we consider a hashtag, this is what many people use on social media, you know, hashtag this, hashtag that. But we also live in a world of complaining. Um, you know, when we consider, for us who are older listening to the broadcast, when we consider complaining, we would write down complaints in a journal or write them down somewhere else, an editorial to the um, Guardian, the Tribune. But today's society has changed so much where, you know, we will... We could just go on social media and we can just blast companies and do different things. And, and people see there's more, you know, in people's faces because most of the time now as people respond back, companies respond back. And after someone complains with a hashtag and just want to give you an example, two examples. Um, one was um, it, a guy in, in the U.K., he sent a hashtag about his pizza. He ordered pizza from Donald's Pizza in the U.K., and he said, yo, I ordered a pizza, and it came with no toppings on it or anything. It's just bread. And Domino's Pizza responded back to him, we're sorry to hear about this. Please let our friends at Domino's UK know so they can help you. Well, after he um, you know, sat down and started to eat, he said, never mind. I opened the pizza upside down. You see, so here it is. We have these complaints, and we go right ahead, and we just voice our opinions without even trying to look at the whole situation. In this sense, this guy was too quick in his judgment, where he made the mistake of opening the pizza upside down. We also have another one where a guy was in a bookstore, and he just sends out a tweet, and he says, I've been locked inside your Travolta Square bookstore for two hours now. Please let me out. Two hours later, he sent another tweet to say that he was out. You see, so many times as we consider complaints and we consider social media, everything is at our fingertips, and we can just access it. We can just talk to people. We can make our needs known and complaints known, and in today's society, a lot of people use it for a good as well, as we have many viral causes that go out, and one of the main ones is hashtag ended movement, which deals with slavery and how slavery is so big today, and You know, there are many people who have joined this movement because of this, and we need to, you know, portray it, and we could put the hashtags out there on, you know, all the different social media, you know, websites, but the reality is that we need to not just hide behind a hashtag. We need to be more than a hashtag. We need to not just say, okay, I'm going to hide behind my computer or my social media account and say I'm going to help with these things, but we really need to do it. And the Bible is very clear for us as believers what we were made for how we were created and what God expects from us. And when we consider this, we need to understand that the first thing is that we're God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, or some words say His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You see, we need to recognize that as we are a masterpiece, when we consider a masterpiece, we consider something that is great and perfect and something that took time and that's what God did. He took time. We are His workmanship. We were created for Him. We are God's masterpiece created to do His work. And I think when we understand that we don't just live this life just for a hashtag or our social media, that we are to get involved, we need to do something. And that's what we want to look at, and that's our topic for this morning, is that we need to do something, not just say it, but do something. You see, so many times in society today, there are people who like to talk. They can talk about a lot of things, but they don't walk the talk that they are saying. They say, I could do this thing, I could do that thing. But when you ask them, they can't do it. You know, growing up, as, as anyone who likes basketball, I was a Michael Jordan fan. And, you know, I, I, at one point I had a Michael Jordan jersey, had a Michael Jordan shoes. But that never made me Michael Jordan. That didn't make me be able to dunk like Michael Jordan. Because I can never dunk, only dunk. Unless the rim is put down. But I can't dunk. And so when we consider this, just because we say it on social media doesn't mean that we are just involved. But we need to get involved and do something about it. Again, that verse says, for we are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You see, God prepared these for us to do. He wants us to get involved in his work. He wants us to... Recognize that we need to get involved, not just to, to say these things. And as Christians, I think sometimes we just fall into this trap so many times because we say we're Christians, but yet we don't act like it. We don't show the love that we should. Um, you know, even Christians sometimes go on social media and vent and say things and, and we make ourselves look bad instead of we, we hide behind this whole you know the whole social media and, and we hide behind everything because it's so easy to, to vent that way instead of doing what the Bible tells us to go and talk to someone about our problems and I think that as we consider that, we need to recognize just what this what God is saying that he is he wants us to get involved He has created these works for us to do He wants us to to, to prepare ourselves and he prepared them for four, the time. And I think that's the important thing. As we consider all the important details of the masterpiece God created you to be, that all are your own. But as God's masterpiece, you weren't created to be hidden away behind glass or placed on a shelf like an old antique. You were created for a purpose to do good works that He designed. Again, as Christians, if we consider ourselves to, to get involved and we we look at, you know, the causes that we can get involved in, and there are a lot of causes. As we consider in our um, society today, you know, we can help in a, in a, in the Ramfley home or we can help with older people and, and, you know, old folks homes and stuff. And we can get involved, we can help. And as we look, continue in this series, as we continue to look at different social injustice and things that we can get involved in and how, what God's word says to us, we are going to look at this, but we want to first of all, start and understand that we were created In Christ Jesus for good works. As a Christian, we are his masterpiece. That we need to recognize that when we get involved in these works, that we do it the best that we can. You see, we don't want to go into it half-hearted. Because that's what Christ wants us to do. He doesn't want to come half-hearted into a relationship. And he wants us to come whole-hearted. And when we're whole-hearted, we are a representation of him. And when we consider the different things that people can get involved in, we need to re- recognize that as a Christian, we are a representation of Him wherever we are. And people are going to watch us. So, as we start this series, I want us to just look at ourselves and say, what, what would people say about my life? Am I just more than a hashtag? Am I more than just what my social media page says? Or am I a person that's doing the good works that God prepared before time for me to do? This is Pastor Nicholas Menon edition of U Talk. And now. Today's Ministry Spotlight. I'm in the
1: radio studio this morning with Dr. Stephen Lewis, my friend from Dallas Seminary. Morning, Brother Stephen. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. We've been benefiting from your uh, previous episodes on the radio. Uh, Let's talk today about three things that you would tell a brand new Christian. Probably the
3: first three things I would tell a brand new Christian is read the Bible, read the Bible. Read the Bible. <laughs> it's fairly simple. But there's, there's more to that, obviously. But I don't think we can emphasize enough that the answers to life and godliness, not the answers to everything. It doesn't tell you how to drive a car. It doesn't have to teach you how to obey the laws of traffic or anything else. But it does give us the basic things for life and godliness. And if we really desire to know that, he has revealed those things for us fairly completely. And I'm amazed and people say, well, you know, the Bible has some answers for some things. But I need all these other people to tell me how to read it. Be careful. Be careful on that. God has equipped you with the ability by the work of the Spirit that indwells you. And through some good studying, you would have any any written material or spoken material to be able to understand what the author is intending to say. Be careful of people that say, I could never have gotten that out of the scriptures And I heard that. I've thought of that many times in years past when I was a young believer. And it wasn't until years later that I realized the reason I never saw that in the Scripture, because it was never really there. Ooh. And I find that disturbing as a young believer. I'd read these great sermons written in the, you know, the fifth century and other centuries that have been translated into English. And I read them. I go, I read those texts. I could, I could have never found that there.
1: Cause it wasn't there.
3: Cause it wasn't there. And so it's kind of like, so it's amazing. My daughter is one who is not a seminary-trained academician. She's an artist. She's a dear lady that does all kinds of creative things far beyond what I could ever imagine to do. She has always challenged us because she is such a, a person that thinks differently than we do. Uh, yet when she's confronted at bible studies about things the one thing she asks in the study is i don't see that can you show me where that is mm-hmm. and inevitably someone will say well you know it's really it's really not there but if you read this and add this verse and that verse and this verse you'll get that she goes well why would you then say it's in this passage when it's not there and she has that's a that's an insight that most people never develop out of fear They're fearful of questioning someone who has authority or someone who's written on it or someone with a lot of letters after their names. And that can be very disturbing to the body of Christ. So a young believer, I would say, just start reading it. The men and women that I've known and boys and girls that I've known that have made a difference as a new believer are those that began to just read and read and read insatiably. A young man I met when I was on the ship uh in in a squadron in Vietnam. Uh he came on board and he was uh struggling with uh addictions and some other things. And uh, a friend of mine and I was shared the gospel with him and he believed. And from that point on on the ship he would be reading his Bible Any other time, he was not on duty doing the things he was supposed to. He'd be under the covers of his bed with a flashlight reading the Bible. Beautiful. And this man became so uh, filled with God's Word that it impacted when he got married years later to his his three boys, and they've just gone on and uh, made a difference. But the people that I've seen that have really learned what God would want them to learn are those that read the Bible and not just read about it or read what other people's opinions are about it. And there are some good books that help. There are books that give you good backgrounds, that give you information about the societies, the cultures, all the things that we we don't know as we read it. We assume Western culture. We assume our ethnicity. We assume those things. When we read things that give us insight, it changes the way we view it. And the more we read God's word, the more we're able to be there. And I would just also say, develop an earnest, honest prayer with God. God is not impressed with these and thous, unless that's your Elizabethan English practice. There may be some like that. But most of us just pray just the regular words that we have. And that's that honesty before God is something that, we we try to avoid because we want to appear spiritual before him. And this is not gonna fool anybody. If we're just blatantly honest, our prayer life will reflect that. So know God's word, read it, pray about it and always. Rely upon God's Holy Spirit to assist in this, but also find someone else that you can minister with and or to. If you're not putting it into practice where it's, you're giving that information to someone else, you will not find it effective as effective in your life. A friend of mine I knew in Indonesia had started a seminary there. And one of the men in the study was there. And after the first lesson, he didn't come back for three weeks. And my friend asked him when he came back, "Where have you been? You know, we have missed you." He says, "I did not want to learn anything else until I put that into practice." Wow, bless him. So I came back, and now I'm able. Now, now I want to learn more. And many of us know far more than we ever put into practice. So those are the three things I would, I would sort of encourage others.
1: As new believers, that's great. That's wonderful, Council. Uh, I was thinking as you were sharing of the uh, seminary professor. And of course, you are a seminary professor. That was walking into the seminary building, and the janitor was uh, there uh, in the hallway, seated on his break or his lunch or something, and he had his Bible. And the janitor was reading his Bible, and the seminary professor says, "Hey, you're reading your Bible. What are you reading?" He said, "I'm reading the Book of Revelation." And the uh, professor kind of looked down his nose as if this this simple uh, but but faithful janitor couldn't possibly yeah. know what the Book of Revelation meant because it's so complex. And yeah. and he says, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And the janitor says, "Yeah, I do. I read the end of the book, and Jesus wins." Amen. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's pray. Lord, we thank you that there are new. Uh, babes in Christ, uh, new believers listening to the radio this morning. Thank you that you've saved them. You've made them new from the inside out. You've given them the Holy Spirit to live within them permanently and that uh, they can have confidence that uh, you will help them to advance in their walk with you and to mature into the full likeness of the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that they would not just the new believer, but the seasoned believer listening as well would um, see the reading of your word as as foundational, primary, of, of first importance in the Christian life. Make us to be readers of your word, Lord, like that wonderful janitor was at the seminary. And we pray this in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.